lose the f***ing Canucks? No, 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 no. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Barzell to the Vancouver line, left wing, Casey Sezikis to the goal, he scores! Casey Sezikis off the rush, rips it into the top shelf past Spencer Martin. We kind of did this one to ourselves, um, if I'm being honest. I can't go out and make them want to block shots, you know, uh, you can't do it. Cannot coach with them, can't do it. Good morning, Vancouver, 6 o'clock on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford, it is Bruff, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Uh, I said Halford and Bruff in the morning. Not quite. Jason Bruff still ill, still away from his chair, but that's okay. I press on solo, although I'm not really alone. Joining me this morning, as always, Andy Cole, the A-Dog. Good morning, A-Dog. Good morning. And uh, Laddie Greg Ballack. Good morning, Laddie. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I mentioned that we are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500, 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Another big show on the horizon. We have a lot that we need to get into, including last night's Canucks loss. Another loss at home, this time to the New York Islanders. But they still managed to give up five goals, six actually at home. We'll get to that in a moment. But what's happening on the program today? Uh, another big lineup of guests that will be joining us. We begin at 6.30. Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host David Amber is going to join us. We can whip around all the Canadian teams in action last night. And there were plenty of them in action. Uh, the Seattle Kraken, not a Canadian team, but they went to Canada. Edmonton specifically got a win. Edmonton Oilers have now lost five in a row so at home. So, uh, so, so some similar home woes for the Oilers, as similar to your Vancouver Canucks. We'll talk about that at 6.30 with David Amber. 7 o'clock, Cam Robinson, Director of Film Scouting at Elite Prospects, is going to join us. Uh, three guesses what we're going to talk to Cam about today. It is the semifinals, <clears throat> excuse me, from the World Juniors. Uh, you got the Czechs and the Swedes at 11, followed by Canada and the U.S. at 3 o'clock. The Connor Bedard Show rolls on. At the World Juniors in the Maritimes, we will talk to Cam Robinson. It's going to be hard to talk to him about anything outside of Connor Bedard because this truly has been his tournament thus far. But we'll take a look at this American team that will be facing the Canadians. The, the renewal of the greatest rivalry in World Junior Hockey over the last decade or so. Uh, we'll look at what challenges face this Canadian team, which quite honestly hasn't been that great outside of Connor Bedard. And he has been great. So we'll talk to Cam Robinson at 7 o'clock about that. 7.30... Our good buddy Nick Shook from NFL.com. Uh, we'll get the latest updates on Damar Hamlin following uh, a very scary scenario on Monday Night Football. Bills, Bengals from Cincinnati. Uh, we'll also see if there's any updates with regards to what the NFL is going to do with the resumption of that game. We know right now that it will not be resumed at any point this week. And the NFL has also said uh, they're not going to make any amendments to the Week 18 schedule, the final week of the regular season. Uh, we'll look at all the playoff scenarios, everything going into Week 18 with Nick Shook. That's coming up at 7.30, 8 o'clock. That's Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation. Uh, we'll talk to him about last night's game, a 6-2 loss for the Canucks to the New York Islanders at home. Uh, we'll also maybe take a trip down to or across or whatever to Abbotsford with uh, what's going on with the baby Canucks as Faber often does the beat there. We are giving away a pair of tickets, correct? A dog, we are giving away. Now yes. today, today it's just one pair of tickets. One pair. Tell everybody once again, you did it so well yesterday. I feel like we're going to go back to you again today. Okay. Well, you text in your what we learned, hashtag WWL. Okay. You text in, you hashtag the. Uh, I see, I've already screwed it up. God. <laughs> Maybe give them the number. That'd be a good, good time you, you, uh, with the WWL. Yes. You tweet in the uh, text in the hashtag uh, emoji. Yes. And then you give us your best what we learn. You, you text in a ticket emoji. You know what? We're going sh- to yeah, you, you're uh, gonna shut you down. The right? WWL. <laughs> shut you down. The ticket. Sh- what did I say? You said you send a hashtag emoji. Okay. The hashtag <laughs> ticket emoji. Give us your best WWL. You following yeah. me? You're with me still? <laughs> no, I'm not. And then, you'll be, and then you'll be entered into the draw to win the pair of tickets to see the Canucks play the Avalanche at home on Thursday. And hopefully it'll be, well, 
better than last night. You know what? You, you had me in the first half of that read. Not going to lie. But the second half, you really came through strong. So, <laughs> so you can start getting those in now. Dunbar Lumber text message in basket is 650-650. It is the Smalt alternative. If you want to weigh in on anything Canucks-related, JT Miller, Bo Horvat, Spencer Martin, Ethan Bear, I'm just throwing out names at this point. Bruce Boudreaux. Do so now. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Voice your frustrations. If you didn't get a chance to voice them, either at the game last night or at your television or at the post-game show, fear not. Uh, Halford and Breath featuring only Halford today is here from 6 to 9. Nice. Uh, on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. So working in reverse on the guest list, 8 o'clock Chris Faber, 7.30 Nick Shook, 7 o'clock Cam Robinson, 6.30 David Amber. That's the guest. I mentioned the World Junior Semis are going to be going at 11 and 3 our time today. Uh, Light night in the NHL, perhaps not surprisingly, might have been a conscious effort with the World Juniors going on. There's just three games, 12 NBA games, a bunch of Premier League games as well. That is what's on the ledger, folks. But before we do any of that, we need to tell you what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? Canucks lose. Canucks lose yet again at home. Matthew Barzell had a goal and two assists for the visiting New York Islanders as they won 6-2 against the Canucks at Rogers Arena on Tuesday night. Barzell, who many of you know is from Coquitlam, has scored in four straight games now. That dates back to, of course, the previous game in Seattle and then last night in Vancouver. Seven points over that same span. He was fantastic last night. Uh, J.G. Pajot scored twice. Casey Sezikis had a goal and an assist. Ilya Sorokin made 24 saves. You'll notice, dear listeners, you'll notice that I am mentioning mostly Islanders highlights from last night. And that is because for another consecutive night, Vancouver highlights were far and few between. The lone one, Bo Horvat scoring twice his ninth multi-goal game of the year. That brings him up to a staggering 28 on the year. Spencer Martin, who... God bless him, is trying, but it's not happening right now for him or, quite frankly, any of the skaters in front of him. 23 saves for the Canucks, who have now lost three games in a row. Gentlemen, I'm going to pose to you a very simple task. In between one and five words, describe last night for the Vancouver Canucks in a 6-2 loss to the New York Islanders. A dog start. So it has to be five words or less? You've already used them up. <laughs> uh, I'm Hashtag go- ticket emoji. <laughs> I'm going to go with another gut punch. Yep. I think that's uh, it's just another blow in the uh, long season, it feels like, of uh, games like this, games that we've seen them play like this. So another brutal performance <clears throat> at home, once again, in front of your paying customers. Another five goals conceded at home, although this time it got to six, a 6-2 instead of a traditional 5-1 loss at home. You gotta mix I, it up every once in a while. You gotta I, mix it up. I will throw some numbers by you right now, and I'm gonna do this in a demonstrative fashion to really underscore just how bad this has been for this team on home ice this season. The Canucks are now seven, ten, and one at home this year. On points percentage alone, that's 29th in the NHL. The Canucks are allowing a dead even four goals against at home this year. That's 30th in the NHL. A friendly reminder, there's 32 teams. The Canucks' save percentage at home this year is 872. That's 31st in the NHL. The Canucks' penalty kill at Rogers Arena this year is 65.9%. 0.1% away from being 66, and then just three percentages away from being 69. That mark, 65.9, is 31st in the NHL. So in four... Fairly significant categories. Points percentage, goals against, save percentage, and penalty kill. The Canucks are one of the three or four worst teams in the NHL. It is a truly, truly, it's almost breathtaking, really, when you think about the amount of clunkers that they have put up in front of their paying customers this year. Seven wins. At home this year. That is not even anywhere close to a mark that a playoff team would have. 
And for a team that, remember at the beginning of the year, the head coach said it would be a disaster if they didn't make the playoffs. They are so far short of that bar at home that it is, it almost defies logic. Really. It is that bad at home right now. I feel as though I am not understating, overstating. I think this is an accurate representation right now. This isn't hot takery on the radio. This isn't me trying to make up for the fact that Bruff isn't here to run you through how bad it was yet another sad night at Rogers Arena. In a season where I think there's been a bunch of boiling points and tipping points, I don't even know if last night was because it was just more of the same at home where everyone was out of answers and out of reasons as to why this team couldn't maintain 60 minutes of effort in front of their paying customers and why yet again they're on the wrong end of a lopsided score. At home, at Rogers Arena. Laddie, you look like you're, you're champing at the bit there. No, I was just uh, I'm agreeing with most of what you're saying, which isn't great radio, but uh, I think that's really all you can say about the Canucks, right? It's uh, every single category that you listed there where they're struggling. It's like, even if, if one of those gets rectified, it's still not going to fix the, the long-term issues that this team has. Like you, you, you pointed out the save percentage, which mm-hmm. is, of course, that's uh, my field. Is there a uh, book out on Spencer Martin? Because some people seem to think there is. Is it, is it shoot the puck? <laughs> the glove hand specifically. Uh, I, I don't think there's a book technically on him, but I, I think that they're giving up way too many good looks for the type of goalie that they have in net right now. You don't have yeah. Thatcher Demko there bailing you out, and I'm not pinning this on Spencer Martin because he didn't ask to be thrown into this, you know, lion's den that he's been thrown into, but they keep giving up grady opportunities. And anyone who's followed the analytics, you know that a high danger scoring chance, it's about 83, 84% safe percentage. So you're giving the other team, you know, close to 20% of a chance of a goal every time you give them a high danger scoring chance, regardless of who's in net. Okay. So Spencer Martin, it's it's not really on him. Laddie, you beautiful bastard. You've segued perfectly into what we <laughs> want to do here. So... <clears throat> The puck management, which has become a recurring theme this Mm -hmm. year. It's nothing new. The egregious turnovers for goals, recurring theme, nothing new. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux was asked about it in the aftermath yesterday. The giveaways yesterday, at least tabulated by the NHL.com statisticians, 12. 12 for the Canucks to just three for the New York Islanders. If you wanted to take a very simplematic paint-by-numbers assessment and analysis of that game, You could have looked at that category alone and said it was pretty lopsided in terms of giveaways, and there were numerous giveaways by the Canucks that either led towards the plays that made goals or, in the case of Ethan Bear in the third period, which might have been the most egregious of the bunch, directly to a goal. Turnovers are bad, and then you start talking about accountability or what is the punishment that will be paid for making these mistakes aside from having to pick the puck out of your own net. What does this have to do with Bruce Boudreau, you might be asking? This is a bit of a rarity for the Halford and Bruff show in the morning on Sportsnet 650. I want to play the entire four minutes of Bruce Boudreau's post-game remarks from yesterday. Now, you might be asking why, and it's not just so I can kill time in the morning because I'm tired. Partly why. <laughs> only First of off, when we got in this morning, we noticed that all the individual Boudreau answers were pretty short. And pretty curt by his standards. Bruce is a fairly loquacious guy. Even when upset, he'll still go about explaining in great length what went wrong or why it went wrong. But last night, very terse. Now, I also want to add this. His interview, his post-game remarks were not presented by the club on social media last night. If you watched Sportsnet on television last night, his remarks got a lot of run on the broadcast. If you listened to the postgame show last night, Sat and Bick were talking about them a lot. I had people texting me saying that was about as blunt and as forthright and as angry as Bruce has been with his team that we have heard this year. And those remarks didn't make it to social, but we're going to play them now because I think it's important to understand what the man sounded like over the course of four minutes where he had to answer yet again for his team. Individually, and in a vacuum, the comments might not sound so angry, but I'm going to let it ride. I'm going to try something new here. Bruff's not here so I can do this. Here, dear listeners, is the head coach of your Vancouver Canucks, Bruce Boudreaux, following a 6-2 loss to the Islanders. And the audio starts with him talking about what Laddie was talking about. Turnovers leading directly 
to Islander goals? Well, you know, we keep giving them goals. <laughs> it's, uh, you're not going to win games. I mean, the first, first uh, in the second period, the first two goals we gave them. The third goal, the power play goal, we sort of gave them. We didn't get it out. And then in the first shift in the third period, we give them another pass. So you keep giving teams passes and, and putting pucks on the tape, you're not going to win. Do you think some of those, what's leading to some of those puck management issues are guys trying to do too much or trying to make big plays? Or? Well, it's not because they're doing too much. They, they had full control of it all, all of the time. The three defensemen had absolute full control of the puck. They just gave it away. How do you explain the difference between the first period and the latter 40 minutes of the game tonight? God knows. I mean, I thought the first period was as good a period as we've played. And it's like as soon as something bad happens to this team, they, the adversity we cannot handle. And it, it seems like, oh, here we go. And then that's it. As long as we've got the lead, we're fine. But when we get behind, it's... Um, it's not a good thing. As I mean, it just it seems like the wind goes out of everybody's sails. Bruce, this is the 16th time this season that your team's given up at least five goals. Mm-hmm. What has to change? Give up less. Come what on. about the commitment to defend, Bruce, when you only have five block shots and they have... We had three block shots. They had, a, they had 18. Yeah. We mention it every day. We yeah. talk about it every day. We put it on the wall every day. Um, we understand it. I know that's something that has to be done. I can't go out and make them want to block shots. Just, you know, uh, you can't do it. I mean, but, I mean, they know if we want to, if any team that has any success, they, they do that. That's a commitment. And every time we do do it in the games that we, we win, we show it on the video the next day to see what equals success equals this. No success equals the, the the other thing. So, but you also you always talk about the want and the will. Bruce. Yeah, you're wondering where the will is. <laughs> you're talking to the wrong guy. Yeah, I want to win every night. Yeah. Does four third period shots reflect the same story? Well, I, you know what it reflected to me was what, what their commitment is, and you could see every time we touched the puck that they were on top of us. I mean. Uh, that's what real good teams do. And they don't allow you to, to come back. They didn't need the goaltending in the third period because they just outworked you. You guys went such an amazing run in the second half last year, and the math begins to get daunting yep. at this point. If you're going to get into the mid-90s in, in point totals, how do you handle that given that... It, it well, I mean, you, you can't... Line? If you look at it as the, as the steep climb, and you sit there and say, "Okay, here we need 27 wins out of the next 40 games," uh, then it, it's a daunting task. Which is why I try to just go by week to week. And if you win the week, eventually you get there. But I mean, if you say you need 10 wins in a row, it's pretty hard to do. But if you say you need two out of three wins, then it's it seems like a lot more palatable that you can get the job done. But uh, um, I mean. I think nobody's stupid in there. They know the daunting task. They know the uh, the wins and losses and, and everything. I mean, um, we're just fortunate at this point that it seems like the most of the teams in the Pacific Division don't want to jump up and run away. You know, so, I mean, it's uh, uh, they keep giving us life. But, I mean, eventually we've got to get our own life uh, and not count on other people winning games or losing games. So, And that's commitment. And... You talk about commitment to defend. That was the whole key to the thing for the last five games. And uh, you can only preach it and practice it. I can't go out and do it. So now you understand, I hope, why we wanted to play that entire media availability as a unified audio clip. Because my man, Bruce Boudreaux, had nothing in the way of optimism or positivity in four minutes of of talking. The only thing that I was able to procure from that that sounded the least bit positive is Boudreaux saying that other teams in the Pacific Division haven't run away from the Canucks in the standings, right? That was it. 
that was the only ray of sunshine from one of the most optimistic and eternally sunshine type guys that the NHL has ever seen. If Bruce Boudreaux is one thing throughout the course of his 600 wins in the NHL and three decades in coaching, it's that he's a positive guy. I hope you're happy, Canucks. You've killed Bruce Boudreaux's spirit. He, that, You've broken this man. Did what that not done? sound like a, like a oh, coach? Oh, yeah, completely out of answers. He's but just also like, threw, I it give all, up. All, threw it all at the feet of his players. White towel, yeah. yeah. Just like, I, mean, I've, I can only say the same thing so many times. It's up to them to either execute or not. I don't know what else the, I can do. The point about how the team crumbles anytime they get any kind of adversity, mm-hmm. hearing that come from the coach, that's pretty damning to the room, I think. Can, I go- we, can we play that again? It's the adversity clip that really, really sort of accentuates where this team is at, is that Bruce is almost past the point of we need to find a solution or we got to work our way out of it. And now it's, this is our identity, is that this is what we are. Those are two fundamentally important things to understand. When you go from, we need to solve the problem to, we are the problem, end of sentence, you create a very, very, very dicey dynamic. And here is Bruce Boudreaux talking about the, uh, the inability to deal with adversity that his guys show on a near nightly basis. Like, soon as something bad happens to this team... They, the adversity we cannot handle, and it, it seems like, oh, here we go, and then that's it. As long as we've got the lead, we're fine, but when we get behind, it's um, it's not a good thing. Because, I mean, it just it seems like the wind goes out of everybody's sails. So now you mentioned, Laddie, while we were listening to the Boudreaux audio, that the Canucks, in terms of just points, January 4th of this season are essentially exactly where they were a year ago uh, when Bruce Boudreaux had been in charge for roughly a month. And standings-wise, they're at the same level. According to the post-game show yesterday, yes, they're at the exact same points as they were at this game last year. A sub-500, at least sub-NHL 500 team that is going to go need to go in the neighborhood of 30 wins over their next 45 games to get to 95 points, which might not even be the playoff bar. That might be getting you in the conversation to talk about being in the mix for the second wild card. Now, here's something to consider. Canucks are on a three-game losing streak, and this run of opponents coming up is about as difficult as you are going to get over the course of two weeks in the NHL. Thursday night, a game, by the way, that we are giving away tickets to, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Pair of tickets to go see the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche on Thursday night against the Canucks. Hashtag it WWL. Add the ticket emoji. That's how that works, Andy. I'm writing that down. Uh, the Canucks will play Colorado on Thursday. Look at this murderer's row that they've got after this. After playing the defending Stanley Cup champions, they're going to go to Winnipeg. Jets beat the Flames last night. They're red hot. Then they got to go to Pittsburgh. Then to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, of course, the defending Eastern Conference champions. Then they got to go play in Florida. Then they got to go play in Carolina. Then the Canucks come back home. Awesome. Some home cooking. You get to sleep in your own bed. Only problem, you have to play Tampa Bay again. Then you have to play Colorado at home again. And then you've got Edmonton to finish off this stretch. I don't know where the record is going to sit. I don't know where the losing streak is going to extend to. But there is a very real chance that we're at that point of the season where it gets so bad just because of the opponents, the road swing, the record. Going into this with a three-game losing streak is not great. That maybe the rubber hits the road and something changes. Because right now, um, you're talking about a head coach that is beyond exasperated with his team. You're talking about... You're talking about a, a group of individuals, a collective that doesn't play as such and doesn't seem to have any accountability when it comes to the mistakes that they're making time and time again. And it doesn't seem as though that there's anybody that's setting the bar in terms of leadership or how to deal with adversity. You know, do we have the Ethan Bear audio? I know we're up against it for time, but Ethan Bear was uh, also doing post-game media availability yesterday. He had a pretty egregious turnover in the third period, which made it 4-2 for the Isles. Um, 
I believe it was the was it Anders Lee goal? I think it was the Anders Lee goal, the fourth one. Either that or Brock Nelson. It doesn't even matter at this point. The point was Bear tried to make a play. He later acknowledged that it should have gone uh, up the wall as opposed to into space and just ended up as another one of those instances where the Canucks do something that is uh, inadvisable. They get hammered for it on the ice, and then everyone just kind of shrugs. And then for the very last question of his scrum, Bear was kind of asked about uh, his time in Carolina and what it was like playing on a team that wasn't trying to dig itself out of a huge playoff hole, trying to get into the playoff picture, where a team like Carolina that won fairly consistently and was always in that playoff mix, so they weren't fighting and clawing and scratching tooth and nail to get into the mix. It was interesting the way that Bear framed this because one of the newest members of the Canucks you're going to look to guys like that to say, hey, what's life like on the outside? What it's like, what's it like not in this bubble? How did it work for you somewhere else? Uh, we'll play this now. This is Ethan Bear on his time in Carolina. Note what he has to say about how the team prepared and how the team practiced and got ready for games. Uh, Ethan Bear on his time in Carolina. This is, again, following the Canucks 6-2 loss to the Islanders last night. No, it's not really daunting um, because I know what, what Carolina does so well. Um, and and it's and it's something that honestly they're working on every single day and every single practice and it's uh, it's their attention to details. You know, if I look from Edmonton and and compare them to Carolina, like just the way they prepare themselves, it's so it's um, you know it's it's night and day difference. But um, you know, for us, like we just gotta you know just make make sure we're prepared every practice and every game to to get better. Um, and you know that's the mentality we gotta have. And, you know, obviously this one's tough. You, know, you never want to lose at home. It's always tough when you lose at home. So just, um, you know, get some rest tonight and, and just come back to work tomorrow. See, so what he's talking about, about that practicing with the goal and striving to get better, um, that is a really, really interesting thing to take in the context of this Canucks season because the Canucks have not improved, at least as far as I can tell, uh, one iota on the things that have plagued them from the start of the season. I mean, how many times have we played Boudreaux audio where he comes in and talks about the same issues plaguing them? There's been no improvement in those areas. I don't think they've gotten one iota better in any of them. And now we've reached the point where Boudreaux is saying, maybe, just maybe, we're not going to get any better at these things because this is what we are as a team. He hasn't directly come out and said it, but it's pretty easy to infer from his remarks right now we got a lot more to get to on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. David Amber is going to join us. We're going to whip around um, the, all the Canadian teams. We'll talk a lot of Canucks with David as well. There's going to be a lot of Canucks talk here this morning on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, we'll talk to David Amber about everything that went on in the NHL yesterday, specifically pertaining to the Canadian teams. Uh, 7 o'clock hour, we're going to preview the World Junior Hockey Championship semifinals tonight. Sorry, today. 11 o'clock our time. It's the Swedes and the Czechs, and then 3 o'clock, of course, it's Canada and the U.S., the renewal of the rivalry that has really come to define junior hockey over the last decade. Connor Bedard's show rolls on, rolls on. We'll talk to Cam Robinson about that. If you want to win tickets to see the Avs and the Canucks on Thursday night at 7 o'clock at Rogers Arena, get your best what we learned in. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know. Text it in to 650-650. That is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, hashtag it WWL, and importantly, Add a ticket emoji to your text. That will enter you into the grand prize draw. we got a big show ahead, so don't go anywhere. It's the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Chase back into his own end by Anders Lee. Turned it over to Nelson. Gets it to Lee. Left circle. Shoots. He scores. Anders Lee on the four check gets the pass from Nelson. And the Islanders reestablish their two-goal lead as another Canuck defenseman turns the puck over in his own zone. This time it was Ethan Bear. I mean, I don't know. I just tried to make a nice play to the middle, and I, I should have just went up the wall with it. And just got it out of the zone. Um, but yeah, that's not me. I just gotta, just gotta make sure I, uh, there's not a guy behind him. I didn't, I didn't see that guy, and um, you know, that's not me. 6.35 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. No Bruff, just Halford. Only for the foreseeable future, though. My man is on the mend. Talked to him yesterday. Jason will be back in the not-too-distant future as he overcomes illness. He is good. He is healthy. He will be back in short order. 
In the meantime, you got me, but you also have A-Dog Andy Cole. You also have Laddie Greg Ballack. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Many people still think we're the same person. I know. Not, not entirely convinced we're two different people. I can confirm, can confirm that you two are actually different individuals. Yes. We're like cat dog, one of oh, us at each right. end. Yeah. <laughs> it's some weird science experiment that we came up with in the Sportsnet 650 lab. I I, honestly, I don't think our voices sound that close, but uh, people seem to think it does. It didn't help that we both identified your, or we identified you, identified you both as dogs. Yeah. That probably, we could have gone with different animals, different species, mm-hmm. if you will. But this is true. Alas, here you. we are. Uh, Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, let's go to the phone lines now. Joined as we are every week on this program, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host David Amber here on the Halford and Breath Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, David. How are you? Good. Happy New Year, Mike. Uh, I'm sorry to see Jason's out, but... Uh... Your rod solo today, brother. Yep, yesterday and today. Hopefully that's it because this is exhausting. But it, it, it doesn't <laughs> help. You know what, David? It doesn't help that uh, over the last forty-eight hours we've had to contend that all, all with all that the Canucks have thrown our way. Now I'm going to do something a little different here for our hit. Um, I'm not sure how much of Bruce Boudreaux's post-game audio you heard yesterday, uh, in part because it wasn't posted posted to social media from the team. It did get a lot of run on the Sportsnet television broadcast, which I thought was interesting because as several people texted to me, it was probably the most blunt, the most angry, and the most upset that Boudreaux sounded with his team following a game this year. We've isolated the first clip. I'll play it for you, David. And then on the other side, we can get your reaction to what was an angry head coach following a 6-2 loss to the New York Islanders on Tuesday night. Laddie, take it away. Well, you know, we keep giving them goals. <laughs> it's, uh, you're not going to win games. I mean, the first, first uh, and the second period, the first two goals we gave them. The third goal, the power play goal, we sort of gave them. We didn't get it out. And then in the first shift in the third period, we give them another pass. So you keep giving teams passes and, and putting pucks on the tape, you're not going to win. That kind of set the tone, David, for what the entire audio was like. It was basically Boudreaux throwing this all at the feet of his team and his players and not really suggesting that they're on their way to solve these problems, but it's like, these are the problems. This might be what we are. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that was blunt. And, you know, it's the frustrations boiled over, and we've heard it. I mean, it's really been like this since day one, right? There's been some ebb and flow to it, but just the way the team started blowing all those leads and keeping the puck out of their net has been a massive, massive problem this year. They haven't received the goaltending that they had received in the last couple of years from, from Patrick Demko. And now they're dealing with, you know, his injury and Spencer Martin in net. Uh, you know, it goes back to the off season though. I'm, I'm sure a ton of your listeners are saying, well, we saw this coming, right? Like they went out and signed some great forwards and added some depth up front, which was important but they sort of ignored the, the elephant in the room, which was the blue line and the lack of depth and, and talent on the blue line. And, you know, when you put this all together, maybe this was very foreseeable in some respects. I, I do think Vancouver is playing below what the expectations were. Um, but when you do look at the personnel, some of the, you know, some of the lack of addressing that blue line maybe has come back to haunt them without getting a level goaltending, which was maybe the expectation um, this is the result. And, you know, Bruce Boudreaux, you know, I'm sure some blame falls on the coaching staff as well, which we've heard, you know, throughout the year has been criti- you know, criticized uh, from, you know, certainly from Jim Rutherford as far as the level of preparation and the structure of the team. But, um, you know, at a certain point, I'm sure Bruce is saying, well, we're trying to do these things. And if you're not executing it, then we're not going to have success. So, it's been it's been a soap opera pretty much all year in Vancouver and, and hard to watch at times. And you know, last night uh, another you know performance that isn't going to isn't going to get it done when you're when you're allowing that much uh, in your end and you're just allowing second and third opportunities that's going to come back to haunt you. So um, I, Bruce Boudreaux is great from our standpoint, right? He yeah. always gives us something to talk about, which is which is great from a media standpoint. But where this all ends up is, is yet to be. To, 
you know, yet to be seen. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point there because we we said, you know, for 600 wins in the NHL, a coaching career that spanned more than three decades, uh, Bruce Boudreaux has always been a very optimistic, a very positive, and a very happy-go-lucky guy. It would be a very damning indictment of this particular team and this organization if they were the ones that finally broke Bruce because in every other instance, he's always found – you know, that ray of sunshine or that light at the end of the tunnel or something to grasp onto. Last night, David, honestly, in a four-minute media availability, the only positive thing Boudreaux had to say about his club's prospects was that the rest of the Pacific Division hadn't pulled away from them yet, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's a valid point. In a different division, you know, the, the season is, is effectively over. Yep. Um, yeah, it's – you know what? Vancouver's been a hard – it's just been hard to figure out this team really from day one and what's going on with them and, and why it hasn't been more successful. And again, I've said this numerous times on your, on your show with you and Jason, like you love a lot of the individual parts, but the sum of the parts just hasn't equated to what you'd hope it would equate to. And, you know, underperforming the only way, it's really the only way you could put it, right? It just, you've got these incredible individual performances you know Bo Horvat's having a career year and you know Kuzmenko's been such a great addition and there's been these great individual flashes but collectively it's just been an incredible letdown and you know something about the makeup of this team just hasn't been you know meeting the expectations of where they should be so again I, I said this a few times we're kind of all waiting for something to happen yes whether it's a trade or a movement in the executive team or something like something has to give here um, eventually. And it's just been, you know, as you said, Bruce Boudreaux, who usually finds a way to perk things up. In fact, that was the whole reason for success to some degree last year when he came in following Travis Green and Travis Green, you know, was known to really grind a little bit hard and Bruce Boudreaux kind of put everyone at ease, you know, telling Patterson, telling Besser, your shooter, shoot the puck you know, putting guys in positions to succeed, and it was an incredible turnaround. Well, some of that magic seems to have just gone away. And when he even he's left sort of shaking his head, you know, that's not a good sign moving forward. We're speaking to Sportsnet's David Amber here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Um, home woes for Canadian teams. You know, you look at the Vancouver Canucks, and it's been, it's been ghastly at Rogers Arena this year. And then you go one province over, and you look at Edmonton, who have now suffered their fifth consecutive home ice loss. It was last night to the Kraken. You know, for as disappointing as this year has been in Vancouver, it's wild to look at these standings because the Canucks, and I'm not trying to put this in the context of they're in the chase, but the Canucks are only seven points behind Edmonton with two games in hand. And Edmonton is 9-11-1 at home this season. It's been an underwhelming year uh, for the Oilers, despite the heroics of their big-name guys. Um, where do you see this going? What's gone wrong for the Oilers thus far? Why have they underachieved so much specifically at home? And do you see this ship getting righted in Edmonton? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. You, look at, you, you kind of brought this up, and you look at last night – for an example, Vancouver loses, Calgary loses, Edmonton yeah. loses, yeah, yeah. you know, all of them in regulation. So you don't even pick up a point, which is so key in these, you know, and how tight these uh, races are. Um, yeah, Edmonton, it's a bit dumbfounding. They, you know, there's that whole theory, like they try and put on a show at home. They're trying to entertain their fans at home. And I'm not even sure if that's true. That was mentioned in the broadcast last night. Like, is there that feeling around the team trying to maybe do too much? Um you know, again, you look at a team that has incredible talent. You know, it's the best player in the world in McDavid, and you have Leon Draisaitl, et cetera. Um, but are they an overall flawed team in a sense of the makeup? You have to give them a little bit of, of, of a break, too. You know, Evander Kane, that's a very serious injury to a very serious key, you know, member of the team. Um, and, and certainly goaltending Stuart Skinner has been a great story, but I, I think they were expecting obviously a lot more from Jack Campbell. So that's always been in the background as well, but a team that's so highly predicated their success on, on the power play and on those core two guys providing a huge bulk of the scoring. You wonder, is that a sustainable blueprint for success? And at times it just, it's been a problem when McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't going necessarily as, as strong as they can and the power play isn't succeeding. The team generally doesn't have 
really any level of success. So, you know, I, I think most NHL teams look and have deficits in certain areas, but maybe not many as glaring as, as what we see in Edmonton and the fact that they're so top-heavy and so reliant on the power play. So you guys are on the national stage and you're trying to cover all the teams uh, in Canadian markets. So you've got the, the ongoing soap opera that is the Vancouver Canucks. You've got the Toronto Maple Leafs who are the Toronto Maple Leafs without saying uh, the, the Alberta teams always interesting because of the clash. And then of course, Connor McDavid playing for one of them. And then there's the Winnipeg and I mentioned Mon- Montreal, of course, is Montreal. Then there's the Winnipeg Jets. And I feel like we, none of us collectively have done a good enough job of really covering this team and explaining just how good they've been. You mentioned the loss last night for Calgary. That came at the expense of those Jets who have now won three in a row. It was another scintillating performance from Connor Hellebuck. The Jets are kind of quietly going about their business, rebounding from a disappointing year last year. They're 24-13-1. They're second in their division. I think we've talked about this before, David, but I'll reiterate it again. I feel like we need to give the Jets more love and pay more attention to what they're doing because they've probably been, um, you know, even outside of Toronto, I would say if you were to put them in that conversation, I think they've been the most impressive Canadian team this year. They've been really good. They've been really consistent, and they've also done it. You know, I just mentioned Evander Kane. Well, Nick Ehlers is just as important to Winnipeg as Evander Kane is to yeah. Edmonton, and basically not at Ehlers all year. They now don't have Blake Wheeler for an extended period of time. It's been a great story, and it's funny. Not that dissimilar to Bruce Boudreaux coming in and giving the guys some love and giving them some direction and giving them some sort of sense of confidence last year. Um, you know, Rick Bonus has gone in there. And, and remember, you know, Paul Maurice resigned midway through the season, resigned last December. You don't see that hurt, hopped, uh, happen very often, right? There's only 32 positions in the world as NHL head coach. You don't see guys just walk away. Uh, Paul Maurice resigned. Um, you know, Dave Lowry was in there and didn't kind of hit the correct button. Maybe it felt like it was too similar uh, a voice from that same coaching staff. And then in comes Rick Bonus and the team, he's preached structure. Connor Hellebuck has been all world again. He looks like the Vesna winner from a couple of years ago. And quite frankly, maybe the biggest storyline there is Josh Morrissey. Uh, you know, they're calling him Josh Norrissey because he's been that good. Again, he scored a goal last night. Uh, you know, I believe he's second to defenseman behind Eric Carlson. He has been a great offensive catalyst, but also very reliable on the back end. And he's providing a bit of that superstar quality you got to remember, like five, six years ago, you looked at that blue line, and that was their greatest strength with Bufflin and, and you know, Tyler Myers, et cetera. And they had this, like, great, you know, sort of very um, dynamic blue line. And then they lost, you know, Tobias Enstrom was there, too. They, they lost four defensemen, Jacob Trouba, et cetera. They lost four defensemen in quick order, and it was like, oh, God, what are we going to do? And Josh Morrissey has now been sort of that pillar there, uh, along with Pionk. So it's been very... It's been very fun to watch. They're a very interesting team. They work incredibly hard, mm-hmm. and there's structure there, and I think there's a level of confidence there. So, you know, you know, Sheveldayoff has to be incredibly happy with how the teams come together, and they have a quiet superstar in, in Kyle Connor, who, you know, is amongst league leaders over the last five years. He's in the top, you know, handful of players and goals scored. He quietly gets things done. They're really a good storyline, and here's the one thing. You know, goaltending in Vancouver has been an issue. Goaltending in Edmonton has been an issue. Goaltending in Calgary, Markstrom hasn't been fantastic. There's constant questions about the goaltending in Toronto. Like, will it be good enough mm. come playoff time? That's one thing you don't have to question. And what do they always say? You show me a good coach, I'll show you a good goaltender, yeah. <laughs> right? Connor Hellebuck has been all world. He's probably one of the front runners, along with all Mark, uh, to win the Vesna. And you have good goaltending and structure, and you have those other parts I just discussed, and you've got a recipe for success. Uh, the Canucks are going to see those Winnipeg Jets, not in the next game. The Canucks are going to host the Avalanche on Thursday before taking off to play in Winnipeg on Sunday. Uh, David, thanks a lot for doing this day, man. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy all the games tonight, and uh, we'll do this again next week. Yeah, thanks so much, Mike, and uh, I hope Jason's back soon. Uh, likewise. Thanks, David. Appreciate it, bud. That's uh, David Amber, Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada host here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay. Uh, we had a text come in earlier today uh, talking about block shots. Now, shot blocking at times is a metric and a counter that we pay some attention to, but we also understand 
the context of a game that if you're blocking a lot of shots, not necessarily a great thing because it means you don't have possession of the puck and the other team is rifling rubber towards your net. However, block shots, as some people have astutely pointed out, is one of the big try, T-R-Y, try metrics out there. That if you're getting down and blocking shots, it means at least you're doing something. So last night's game, there was two numbers that were really making the rounds last night. And one was the disparity in shot blocks between the Canucks and the um, New York Islanders. I believe it was 18-3. to And then the other one was the turnovers, the giveaways, in which the Canucks had 12 and the Isles only had three. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux was asked about this in the aftermath, the Canucks shot blocking or lack thereof, and yet again put this at the feet of the players without any sort of you know, light at the end of the tunnel that they might be trying to figure this out. It was more about, we tell the guys to do this, and they don't do it. And my again, my inference is maybe this is just part of their DNA. Not a good part, the inability or lack thereof to get in front of shots. But this is Bruce Boudreaux on his team's lack of block shots. And pay attention to the early part of this clip because it's kind of funny. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux talking about yet another woeful part of the Canucks performance from last night, 6-2 loss to the New York Islanders. We had three block shots. They had, they had 18. We mention it every day. We talk about it every day. We put it on the wall every day. Um, we understand it. I know that's something that has to be done. I can't go out and make them want to block shots. Just, you know, uh, you can't do it. I mean, but, I mean, they know if we want to, if any team that has any success, they they do that. That's a commitment. And every time... We do do it in the games that we, we win. We show it on the video the next day to see what equals success equals this. No success equals the, the, the other thing. Uh, I'll tell you what video Bruce won't be showing today, and that was shot blocking from the forward group. Because last night, the Canucks did not have a single shot block from a forward. The three, and the reason I was t- that we cut off the question, unfortunately, in the clip, but the, the, the way that that Q&A went, was Bruce was asked about the disparity in shot blocks, 18 to 5. And then Bruce said, it wasn't 5, we had 3. 3, count them 3. Those 3, 2 came from Tyler Myers and 1 came from Luke Shen. I'm extrapolating this out because the actual conversation about shot blocking or lack thereof really leads to a bigger conversation. And it's, what is this team's DNA? What they need to do to be successful? How short they're falling from that and then almost wondering if the complacency is set into a point where this is what they are and then that leads to a lot of different conversations can you keep this group together is the no shot blocking thing maybe part of like do they not want to play for each other or play for their coach or play for ownership or management is there some like psychological thing there where they just the shot blocking or the lack thereof sort of uh, goes part and parcel with the fact that they're just maybe not bought into this the system, whether it's the coach or, or GM owner or whatever. I don't think it's that deep. I don't think that anyone on then the Then why won't they do is, it? Because Or even for each other, even as, as simple right. as just so do it for each other. The answer to that is, I think, pretty obvious, is that um, there's no stakes and there's no repercussions for not doing it. Mm. Yeah, you don't fair. lose ice time. You don't lose shifts. You're not parked on the bench. And the reason you're not is because you'd have to bench the entire team. If no forward blocked a shot last night, that's 12 guys that were all not putting in that type of effort. So it be, that's what, see, this is what when people talk about, well, what's the culture of a team? Well, what's the attitude? Well, it's hard to hold anyone to account, and it's hard to set the bar when the collective isn't doing it. One guy can go out and run around. And, I mean, you could be a fourth-line guy last night and run around and dive headfirst in front of every puck imaginable. But when no one else is doing it, that's where the expectation is. Also, I think the lack of depth plays a role in this as well because other people are shouting, why doesn't Bruce bench some people, start busting them down the lineup? Who's he going to push up in their place? Like, your wingers are supposed to be blocking shots from the point. If they're not blocking shots, who are the wingers that are going to step into this role? (laughs) Like, give me some names here because uh, I think Bruce would like some help. I don't think there's anyone there to make a statement with. No, Who are you going to put in their place? Right, and that's part of, um, I think, a larger conversation that we've had on this show throughout the year is that at times, Boudreaux has come down hard on individuals and 
mostly via the healthy scratch. And that was largely because of uh, subpar or inferior performances the game before. But that only goes to a certain degree, and that only works to a certain degree as well because these guys come back in the lineup. And if that's your only move, then players are going to call your bluff every time. Right. And this is where um, when Ethan Bear talks about the way that other teams prepare, um, it's knowing what you have to do to be successful going into a game. So let's just take the the shot blocking conversation in a in a vacuum here for a sec. Um, they'll go in today and they'll look at this huge disparity in getting down in front of pucks, and they'll say, "Look, we didn't get a single shot block from a forward last night. What does that mean?" And they'll probably say all the right things, and the coaching staff will have addressed it. But until there's some sort of stake or consequence to it, it just becomes words, and it just becomes. Bruce saying things after the game or the players saying we need to do the right things. We need to tighten up defensively. And that is a vicious cycle that you get into because even that becomes commonplace. It's like, well, another you know tough one, but we'll just go out there and we'll go through the motions and we'll go through the, the, the song and dance of addressing the media. And, and then we'll go on and we'll play another game. And I think that's what it is at the end of the day is that everyone has become quite complacent in playing a game and moving on to the next day and saying the things that you need to say without actually making any moves or changes individually of consequence. And that's when someone in charge has to step in, right? When you're at the head of a dysfunctional organization, be it work or some sort of nonprofit organization that you're running that isn't working in a cohesive structure and and flow, is someone in charge has to step in and say, okay, we can't keep doing these same things over and over again. I thought last night that... Boudreaux saying what he said in the way that he said it wasn't, again, necessarily a boiling point or a tipping point for the season. But I do wonder, in light of the stretch that they've got coming up, how damaging this is going to get now, where the coach is kind of out of answers and throwing this all at the feet of his players, heading into a road swing where you've got Winnipeg, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Florida, and Carolina. That is a murderer's row five-game stretch on the road. And then you got to come back home and play Tampa Bay. Boudreaux's going to announce, we're installing electroshock chips into every single one of your sticks. If you don't start blocking shots, they will randomly go off on the ice during play. You better figure things out. There is some positivity on the hockey front, and that is that we're going to get to see Connor Bedard play today in a game of consequence. Today, 3 o'clock, World Junior Hockey Championships. The Czechs and the Swedes go at 11. Canada and U.S. renewing their rivalry at 3 p.m. We're going to talk to Cam Robinson, uh, Director of Film Scouting from Elite Prospects, coming up next about the Connor Bedard show. That's all coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650.